What's up, Canes fans? Welcome into another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. I am your host, Peter Ariz, alongside D-Money as usual. We have a special show today, just going to be taking mostly Q&A. As always, you can check out the the podcast from last week, which we had a couple of them, but mainly had a big info drop from D in his edition of The Bank. We'll be getting into that a little bit, some questions pertaining to that. Um, But as always, check out the live show on Thursday nights. D's been dropping in on those, but you know, I, I host those every Thursday night. We will be doing that one tomorrow at 9 p.m. Excited for uh, for everyone to, to tune in. And if you aren't able to catch it live, you can always catch the replay on YouTube. Uh, Kane's Insight Shop on Shopify. Check that out with our merchandise available on there. The Kane's Insight uh, logo tees, as well as some Kane's Insight originals. Uh, but D, excited to get to uh, talk to some of the fans today as, as you know, we put the Q&A on the website and also on the Twitter, but big week ahead here, camp last weekend, camp coming up now on Thursday once again. Any action expected? Well, this weekend from a recruiting standpoint, as big as it gets, you're talking about multiple five stars, Aiden Breland from California, Dylan Stewart, who some people in the program think is a future number one overall pick. Defense end out of D.C. David Stone, who's been on the campus multiple times from IMG, defensive tackle. Ellis Robinson, also been on the campus multiple times from IMG, number one corner in the nation. Top of other big targets, big linebacker targets, Keyshawn Flowers, Camp Pruitt, uh, Elijah Lofton, a big tight end target, You know, leaving a few out. Jarek Gibson, a top 100 running back from IMG, also been on campus a bunch. So this next weekend... This June 9th weekend is absolutely huge. Remember to go to the canesinsight.com forums. They'll be covering that action. And uh, like and subscribe to this podcast because I will give you a full rundown when it when it is done with the latest info like we always do. Um, might be coming off in a visual visit weekend this weekend. Had James Nesta, the linebacker out of Charlotte on campus. Um, Wyatt Gilmore, defensive end out of Minnesota. Kamari and Franklin from Mississippi on the... Memphis, close to the Memphis metro area, um, had some had some other uh, Jerry, Jerry Hawkins, Tank Hawkins from IMG, a very speedy receiver who's drawn Jalen Waddle comparisons, Draylon Miller, wide receiver out of Port Arthur, Texas. So it was a good weekend. And I think the message there is a lot of good work done. They need to keep chipping away. It's, if you look at the June commits last year, they didn't commit right after their visits. Took some work. Ultimately, they set their dates. Miami had done great work in their visits, kept recruiting them hard after they got out, and ultimately landed their commitments during the uh, announcement date. You still had guys like Jaden Wayne taking visits to LSU. It wasn't, you know, visit, commit. It was visit, make a great impression, recruit, recruit, recruit. And then when they announced, get a commitment. I think that's where we're at with these past weekend visitors. I know at least one recruit who would have committed if his parents let him. Um, that happens a lot. You know, Take your visits, see everything, but the good impression that Miami made hopefully will remain uh, with some of these kids. And I, I expect at least a couple of these kids will end up in the class and Miami really, really liked who was on campus uh, this past weekend. Yeah, it's sometimes tougher to get these higher rated blue chip guys to commit just off the high of the visit because they've been thrown everything already. They've seen a lot, right? So sometimes I have to take a step back let everything cool down, and then kind of reassess and make sure that's the right decision for them. Absolutely. One name to watch as far as 
make an announcement quicker than others. Demetrius Freeney, the cornerback uh, at a junior, junior college in California, 6'1", 185. He is a class of 2023 kid, so if he commits, he will enroll for summer B, which is, I believe, June 20th. Frankie Tinalau is the only guy that's coming in that session. Everybody else is already on campus from the signing class, so he would be Another one that comes in and starts working out right away. Uh, I like Miami's chances there. Cristobal has a really tight relationship with Freeney's head coach, and uh, so does uh, Coach Adai. Those connections, the opportunity to uh, Miami lost Kamari Rogers last year, who was a cornerback signee who ended up transferring to Mississippi State. Freeney was sliding to that class. Jaden Harris, another signee, probably going to be a safety long term. So you're just stuck with Chris Graves as far as corners from that class. Freeney slides into that group right away. And uh, he'll have three years to play and develop quarterback in high school, transition to cornerback at the junior college level, 10-9 speed, big guy, a lot of upside. Miami needs to get not just better at corner with veterans, but they also need young talent. And he would fit into that mold. I like Miami's chances there with Demetrius Freeney. So let's get right into these questions. We'll start the first one from geology. Regarding this recruiting cycle, what are the top things Mario and staff are most worried about? Biggest priority, we talked about it you know, for months, really since the last recruiting class ended. They want to sign the best defensive line class in the country, basically mirroring what they did last year on the offensive line. You've seen that with Dylan Stewart, Aiden Breland, uh, David Stone, Justin Scott. These are five-star caliber players visiting, and I'm leaving a few out, uh, guys they really like. If you're a top 100 defense alignment, you have probably been on Miami's campus at some point, either on unofficial, official, or in most cases, both. So Miami's biggest priority has been the defense alignment. We told you that on this show well before things started heating up, and now you're seeing that as far as the unofficial visits and the official visitors. And Miami, look, Miami bats 300, they're an all-star for this recruiting cycle because they're going to land some difference makers at those positions, given the volume of guys that are making it out to campus. Next question here from JME231. Building on this, would love a position recruiting breakdown to see where you think things are trending and what are the biggest question marks? Yeah, I'll just go with the, the biggest question mark to me is cornerback. That was the biggest question on the roster, which is why Miami brought in Devontae Brown, who will start right away, the big corner from UCF. He'll be in and out right away. Jaden Davis, the corner from, from Oklahoma. Also, those are short-term guys that will be in and out. But then they also brought Jadis Richard from Vanderbilt, who's going to be a three-year player like Freeney would be. So add Freeney to that mix. He could potentially be a three-year player. Um, you know, Miami's really focused on that cornerback position. You signed Tamari Brown, big corner at American Heritage, top 247 guy. Uh, Robert Stafford out of the Melbourne area, another highly rated guy, multi-talented, returns, receives, makes plays. So Miami's really trying to turn around that room at corner. And I think in terms of the high school kids, that's a board that's wide open. I think you're going to see names emerge there that we're not even hearing about that might have a big senior year or might have a big uh, summer offseason or just, just just land on the scene. Or maybe Miami gets their interest and they're committed to another school. I think corner's the position that is going to have the most action as far as the board shuffling over the rest of this recruiting cycle. Uh, one name to keep in mind, Jalen Howard uh, Hayward out of Rockledge, listed as a safety, going to be recruited as a corner, 10-6 speed. Georgia commit, but Miami has a lot of interest and he has a lot of interest in Miami, but that board is changing. You could kind of see on your update the other day how many names you threw out there on the bank. So, And a few of them, you know, not, not really having real offers now at this point, but 
guys to monitor. Yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna keep changing. So watch cornerback as far as from now till till signing day. Mumble rap here taking a shot at our beautiful couches. <laughs> Wants to know are your six p- couches paid off or do you have a massive city furniture credit line? We you know all this uh, all this money from the Kansas Side podcast. I'm actually purchasing a new couch. You know, up going to Crate and Barrel with my wife this week. We're gonna take a look. So stay tuned. You'll you'll see uh you'll see some nice furniture on on next 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 show we record from the house. Next question here from the great Gandhi D Money. Is Miami going to change the way they publicize under the radar recruits? Over the past two seasons, quite a few recruits Miami has been on early have been poached last minute by more successful programs. Before you have a chance to answer, this isn't something that's just happened the last two years. This has happened for as long as I can remember it happening, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, right? So I don't think this is a new development. There's no secrets in college football anymore. That's just the way it is. When a kid gets offered, everybody finds out. There's no hiding offers. There's no reason for the kid not to post the offer. It's going to happen. And there's there are systems in place in these recruiting departments to track who's getting offered. So if they say, oh, a Power 5 program just offered a kid that we'd never heard of. Let's watch the film. Let's pull up the combine numbers. Let's pull up the track numbers. You know, Pull them up on the database with everything together. That's happening everywhere. So there are no secrets. I think the key when it comes to these under-the-radar guys is getting them early in the class, locking them up, and turning them into ambassadors for the program, which is why people were complaining, oh, Miami Science got so many three-star commits early. The reason they're getting those guys early is to lock them in and make them part of the team, the group chats, all that, recruiting other kids early. So if you're wondering about why Dylan Day commits early, it's to lock him in. Because once people see how fast he is, how productive he is, how long he is at at that corner safety defensive back position, the versatility he has, he's going to get a ton of SEC offers. If Judd Anderson goes out and has a big year, 25 touchdowns, five picks, he will have a lot of SEC offers. That's just the way it goes with these highly physically talented guys um, that don't necessarily have the attention. Once they do well, then they get the attention, and you want to have those guys locked up. Joseph Fianada, a guy that Miami, we've been talking about the podcast for a few a few weeks. Miami had a top of the board at center. They love this guy. Looked like they were going to get him. Alabama came in, offered, committed to Alabama quickly. That happens, but the hope is you get some of those guys in the boat early. So when they all save them off, yeah. yeah, Frankie Tinelau is a perfect example. You you're familiar with that recruitment. Um, Frankie was somebody who did not have a ton of interest when he committed to Miami. Didn't have a great bit of film coming from Australia. Has a senior year at, at LaSalle. Plays unbelievably, and then by the time the the recruitment really he- heated up and Penn you know, state auburn a uh, bunch of others came in i remember trying to get him to visit and and he was thinking about it but that bond with miami was so strong at that point that it just wasn't even uh something that was he was going to fully consider yeah and you know that firsthand again from the first round management so that's that's the key there with these sleepers get them early pick the right guys and recruit them like priorities and that's why a guy like Ianata committing to Alabama is showing you they're picking the right guys. Um, unfortunately, some of them will get scooped up, some of them won't. So, got to keep uh, keep evaluating. Ghost two longtime Canes Insight poster and retired staff has two questions: one each side of the ball. Which ro- wide receiver or wide receivers do you feel will benefit most from Dawson's system? We'll start with that one. I think a s- smaller guy like a Ray Ray Joseph. I, I s- 
speaking to somebody in the program and they said that they could see Ray Ray Joseph having just a hugely prolific career here based on what he showed in spring, the work ethic, the IQ and the ability, and then the system tank Dell again, someone you're familiar with from, from, from uh, your time as an agent, similar dimensions to a Ray Ray Joseph was the number one receiver in the country statistically. So I think a guy like Ray Ray Joseph will really benefit going from what the offense we had last year to this year's offense balls getting in his hands quicker, allowing him to make more plays in space. The next question that goes to had was which defensive player slash unit do you feel will benefit most from Guidry's uh, arrival? I would say it's going to be the tweeners, the guys that have the ability to bring pressure, but then also drop a Malik Bryant, a, a recruit who was a defensive end also play linebacker, probably more of a linebacker body type, but he can rush. Gidry loves to create deception as far as who's coming, who's dropping. So guys like that that are versatile, Cyrus Moss, a guy who started as a safety, ended up being a defensive end, size-wise probably more like a linebacker. I could see him benefiting Jafari Harvey, Jafari Harvey, um, a senior who, very athletic. You saw him take a pick to the house against UNC, also rushed the passer. I think that type of athlete and body type is going to excel in this, in this defense because of the deception. Next one here from Ben. Who is a returning player that fans have written off who may surprise with extended playing time? Hmm. Good question. As far as, you know, I don't know if this is somebody who has been written off necessarily, but I don't think that this player has been, has been talked about enough. And that would be Cyrus Moss uh, because didn't play as a freshman at all, really, aside from a couple garbage time snaps where he did show some pressure, but no meaningful snaps. And every time people saw him, they saw a really skinny player um, who did not look like a defensive end. I think with Jason Taylor coming in with Gidry's defense, and you saw in spring, Moss had multiple sacks in the spring game, made Samson Okunlola look bad. Uh, I think he beat Rivers one time, and he looked good against good talent. And he has a natural knack for bending and getting around the edge and, and getting to the passer. Also, we see him drop if in that same spring game. You saw him drop back, blow up a pass that was intended for Robbie Washington. Again, a former safety, great measurables, 4-6 electronic in high school, 4-2 shuttle. So I think Moss is a guy who you didn't see him last year, but in this defense with another year of development with Jason Taylor, situational pass rusher who plays meaningful snaps and makes a difference. Moss would have been my answer on defense. I think on offense, I would go. And again, I don't know if he's fully been written off, but Jacoby George, a wide receiver, I read a lot into what Cristobal says. And if you remember after the spring game, the biggest thing he said with him was he he credits his maturity and gave his, I think his mom credit and his family credit for you know, helping him and, and being part of that process of the maturation process, right? Because I think a lot of times when it comes to parents and things of that nature, a lot of times they will just automatically side with their kid. Oh, well, he hasn't gotten the playing time. His career hasn't gotten the way that that it's supposed to, you know, have gone up to this point. Um, but those are tough conversations for a head coach to have with a mother and and parents for them to be receptive, receptive to it, excuse me, and he's a guy we know his talent level, I think he could have a big year. Yeah, George had a big spring game. Definitely the most talented of the flanker options, but you bring in a Shamar Kirk from junior college to push him. Now, the maturity, the competition, all those things can take him to the next level and the experience, better offense, a lot of things combining to have him perform to the level of his talent. So I like, I like that choice and 
this guy's not someone who's been written off, but I don't think people talk enough because it's boring to talk about Xavier Restrepo. Restrepo is going to do some things in this offense. He has not just the slot ability to get open quick and catch the ball and be very trustworthy to it after the catch. Yeah, he he can do things after the catch. You saw the spring game, which was full contact. He was breaking tackles left and right. He's big. I think he's gotten faster. He's slimmed down a little bit to be faster, but he's still big and strong. Um, And I think he can turn into a running back after the catch, which is going to help him tremendously in this offense that gets the ball to him quick. We know TBD trust him. If he had a year where he had like 10 touchdowns or something like that and led the team in receiving, it was all ACC. Maybe we don't, maybe we spread the ball out too much for that to happen, but some, a very big impact season from him would not surprise me at all. I want to talk about our friends at underdog fantasy. The NBA playoffs are rolling. You sign up, use promo code CIS, $100, right on sign up. You can play right away, lay down all kinds of bets. I like to play pick them. You go over under on player performance. Uh, game three coming up, the Heat and the Nuggets. I like Nikolai Jokic, over 10 assists. Jimmy Butler, over 25 and a half points. Kevin Love, over five and a half points. You can take my picks. You can fade me. You can make your own. All kinds of options at Underdog Fantasy. Again, promo code CIS or use the link uh, in the bio to sign up and get $100 free showing you're a member of the Canes Insight community. Next question from Canes732. Which position coach will see his unit take the biggest jump on the field this year? All right, by the way, remember to like and subscribe. I'm starting to put that in my brain. I'm trying to be a YouTuber. I'm watching my kids' YouTubes, and they say that all the time on the shows they watch. So like and subscribe to this podcast. You get the streams. You get everything. And you get shows like this uh, without thinking about it. So, but answer your question. Position group, Coach Mirabal and the offensive line. You had Javion Cohen, who is a draftable player coming out of a team like Alabama, fully prepared competition-wise, IQ-wise, um, speed of the game-wise. There's no, no adjustment period for him. Matt Lee, who Mirabal and everybody think is a draftable center coming out of UCF, was the highest graded center in the country, according to PFF. They know what a draftable center looks like. They just had a center drafted this year from Oregon. They've had a ton of guys drafted overall. Crystal Ball at Alabama had even more. So when they say this is, a, this is an NFL kid with elite intangibles, I believe him. Had a good spring. Those two alone make a huge difference. Jalen Rivers, Ines Cooper, Giants, all ACC guys, guys that don't need to lose a ton of weight. They've already lost the weight, so they should be poised to have big years, can play inside and outside. Both can play tackle or guard. Um, and then you add, of course, the five stars with Francis Malagoa and Samson. That group should be one of the best groups in the ACC on a straight talent basis. Some of it's unproven, but very touted in terms of five stars. These are the guys that go to Alabama and start as true freshmen, like an Evan Neal or you know uh, Alex Leatherwood, right? Who end up being first round picks, right? Those guys, that's they're that caliber. Cam Robinson, they're that caliber of recruit. So to expect them to perform that level is not just a hope and a wish, right? And then we saw it in spring; they they looked like five stars. And then Cohen, Lee, they've already been elite players. Rivers, Cooper, when they've been on the field and healthy, have looked really, really good. And of course, Zion Nelson, I even mentioned who. You know, his health up in the air. I, I think I think he'll ultimately play and be an NFL caliber left tackle. So a lot of experience, a lot of talent. That group should be with the coach they have, who's proven he can develop an elite offensive line. 
should be one of the best groups in the country, certainly the most improved, considering they were a weakness of the team last year. Next one here, another one from Gandhi. D-Money, who do you expect to emerge at D-Tackle and corner? So I think the two best defensive tackles are going to be Leonard Taylor, obviously projected first-round pick. Still has a level of growth he can reach as he enters his third year, which is critical for the defensive tackle position. But I think he can, as he gets stronger, you've seen him around, you're familiar with him from FRM. He looks like he's bigger, stronger, just more mature, focused on being that first-round player. He's the best player on that unit for sure. Branson Dean from Purdue, I think would be the second best player on that unit. Similar style to, to Leonard Taylor. They're not perfect compliments like Daryl Jackson and Taylor were last year, but Branson Dean's a guy super quick. What let, was one of the top hurry guys in the and, and pressure guys from the interior nationally did a, a great work against Big Ten offensive lines. Crystal Ball and company love Branson Dean. I'd say he's number two. The guy that I think has a chance to emerge would be um, Anthony Moten. Or sorry, Ahmad Moten, Anthony Moten's brother, uh, out of Cardinal Gibbons. He, if you wa- go back and watch the spring game, it's on YouTube. He's beating Matt Lee, who we just talked about and raved about. He's beating the first team offensive line and getting sacks. He's big. He he has a great first step. He's strong. A lot of upside with him in his second year. And I think he's the guy to watch as a breakout candidate. Miami needs a guy with his body type to step up. I think he's the guy. I spy and wants to know what's more difficult, getting a top three class for Mario or trimming the Ariz brow. It's very easy to trim this. So I can tell you that, you know, I think Mario might have a little more difficult task, but I do expect him to be top five year after year at Miami. Yeah, you know, you, you took care of it. You got you got it cleaned up. So uh, that's been done. Top three class has not been done. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I have to I have to agree. You, you trim the brow. Now, if you can work on, you know, the other 98% of your face, you will be in, in, in good shape. I think I'll be all right. Next question, home slice. Any updates on the on the health of our players as we approach the season? Citizen and Zion, as he mentioned, that's been getting a lot of questions about that every week on the live. I don't think we have anything new there, but Zion, nothing really new. I, I think he'll be there, but I, don't, I can't say that as reporting. Um, with Citizen, towards ACL in camp, we all know that, was progressing well had a setback, which knocked him back about six weeks. So that's going to put his recovery right in the middle of the season, which again, you don't want to rush him back. It just makes the con- the timeline tricky. Um, I think the issue with Citizen is the setback, the timing, you know, it throws him off. And so much of rehab and recovery is mindset and really pushing. And it's hard when you're on track and then you get a setback and it's like, oh, you know, there's a there's a letdown factor, natural. Uh, what I heard about Citizen is that he's last I heard, and this was maybe maybe a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, um, was that he had a, he's had a couple of really good weeks of rehab. He's working hard. He's doing the right things. So I'm hoping that's continued since I had that conversation um, because even though he's a running back, he's a young guy. He he will heal. I mean, Nick Chubb just ran for 1,500 yards, and that guy had the nastiest knee injury I've seen on a right. running back in a long time. And his running style was pretty brutal. Right, and he's still going you know, long runs in the NFL. It's not like he had to change what he did from an athletic standpoint. So I think Citizen will be fine if he continues to do the right things in rehab, but you don't want to rush him, and you don't need to rush him when you have a Mark Fletcher, you know, A.J. Allen, who Miami brought in from Nebraska, you could take it slow as citizen and prioritize the long term. We'll jump to some Twitter questions here. Uh, Paul Erickson, he, he surprisingly did not 
uh, sneak a wrestling question in here. Um, but with so many headliners, it's easy to lose sight of impact targets like Artavius Jones, Cam Pruitt, and Elijah Lofton. What are these three dudes? Where are these three dudes on our board at at their respective positions? And do you project them to be in this class? Yeah, both sky high on the board. Uh, starting with Artavius Jones on my personal board, he's right there near the top. The defensive tackles ahead of them are high, you know highly rated guys. As far as where he stacks on our board, he's a plus one. You take him no matter what. Um, basketball player at 300 pounds, wrestler, power lifter, productive on offense and defense. I mean, he really checks all the boxes. And when you go and look at the NFL draft, these are the guys that are getting drafted in the first round. He has all of those background uh, traits. When you just say multi-sport, offense, defense, strength, balance, coordination, it translates to the field. Love that kid. I think he's as good as anybody we're recruiting on defensive line from a talent standpoint. He's rated, I think, in the in the hundreds overall, which is a high rating. But I think he could be a guy that we go back and say he was just as good as these guys in the top 10, top 20, top 30. Uh, Camp Pruitt from Alabama. Safety, projects to linebacker, big body. Some of the nastiest, most violent film you've ever seen. If you're watching this and you're curious about Camp Pruitt, the linebacker at Alabama, pull up his huddle. I think within three plays you'll see why Miami's so high in them I've heard Miami linked to other highly rated linebackers during the cycle just from some recruiting sites fans Miami when they look at when you look at their board you're going to see guys like Camp Pruitt at the top Keyshawn Flowers at the top you know they really love what these guys can do from a striking standpoint from a speed standpoint body type Pruitt again has a safety background so he can cover a little bit sky high on Pruitt he's visiting this weekend Miami would take him in a heartbeat and really loves his game. Same with Keyshawn Flowers out of Baltimore. Uh, Elijah Lofton, tight end out of Gorman. A lot of Brevin Jordan comps because he's a shorter tight end out of the same high school in Las Vegas. Um, I think with Lofton, who's very productive as a receiver also, the difference I would say with him and Jordan, Jordan probably a little better after the catch with his running back background, although Lofton, again, is a good receiver and a good receiving option. Lofton is a weight room freak, plus 500 uh, squat, um, big bench. And I think he ran pretty fast when we tested it. I had his, his numbers, but you know he can run, which is a workout warrior who's also productive on the field, gritty. I mean, he can block in line. He can be a lead blocker. You see him just blocking multiple guys on plays. His film is some of the most fun to watch because he's a true football player. Probably put him at linebacker and he can go uh, power five, play at Miami. So Lofton is a guy they want to complement more of an athletic receiving type as the other tight end. Although he is also a good receiver. The height, not ideal. Same with Brevin, but the football player wins out. Next one here from Andrew V17, who I'm pretty sure I met at a busy bee car wash in the heart of Westchester a few years back, but that's neither here nor there. Should we be worried about O-line recruiting this cycle? We mentioned Ayanata earlier. Uh, he just committed to Bama and Plaz, Penn State, just committed and shut down their recruitments. Some other targets like Brandon Baker and Nair Daniels are trending away from Miami too. I think tackle, a little bit of a concern because it's a down-year tackle anyways. You signed two of the best tackles in recent memory. I mean, we're talking about like historic recruits with Samson and, and Francis. So that's scaring away some of the big name offensive tackles. And people hear that and they say, well, what about Alabama? What about Georgia? They recruit the best guys every year. Well, we're not them. We can't point to 
13 win seasons. We can't point to national championships. Can't point to first round, really that many first round offense alignment. So our selling point is you can come in and start. That was a selling point for Francis. That was a selling point for Samson. Can't sell that when those guys are going to be starting for the next three years. So tackle recruiting is a concern. I think you'll see names develop. They'll evaluate there. But interior, which is a focus, I think they're doing pretty good. Talk about, um, I'm going to pronounce, pronounce his name incorrectly, but Alfoa, the uh, offensive guard out of Seattle, Washington, Polynesian descent. Miami loves him. I believe he's the number two rated interior guy in the nation. So he's rated just as high as far as ranking in the interior as some of these guys were on the outside. So that's obviously a big get. If Miami can get him, his only official visit is scheduled to Miami. Miami feels very good about landing him, continuing that Polynesian pipeline. And again, a blue chip, highly rated player just on the inside. He's only six, two and a half, but on the inside as opposed to the outside, but very athletic, very strong, a true impact guy. Eddie Twerk, Turk, I can't know how to pronounce his name, T-U-E-R-K, out of the Chicago area. Two-way guy, plays offensive line, plays defensive line, has power five offers on defense. You watch his film, he's flying down to get blocks. Uh, he's, he's really, really athletic, lean. You could see him easily as a center. I think he has the athleticism to play tackle, but with his body type, I think center, replacing Ionata. They would feel good about him there. He could also play guard, but that's a high-priority guy. That's not a, hey, we missed out on some targets, let's scramble and get Eddie Turk. He's High priority for, for Alex Mirabal. Juan Minaya, body type wise, can't beat it. 6'6, 315, you know, not that fat, long, weight room numbers off the charts. I think the film on him is not to me, does not blow me away, but I, I'd equate him to a Frankie Tinelau, where you say, uh, th- not the player yet as a junior, but you could see if he has a big senior year, all the big programs knocking on his door. This guy already has multiple Big Ten offers. Anyways, so it's not like he's a true sleeper. But you expect them to take a developmental type like that every year, though. That's what Mirabal is known to do. He's going to focus on body types. This is a body type type of guy. Uh, Zuri Madison from uh, Kentucky, another guy who's Brett Bilema is after at Illinois. Um, who's a coach at Arkansas? Pittman. Sam, uh, Pittman. Uh, Sam Pittman is after him in Arkansas. So the O-line gurus, including Mario Cristobal, the O-line head coaches are all targeting the Zoom Madison out of Lexington, Kentucky. Just his film is outstanding. Plays right tackle, probably will play inside body type-wise as a guard, but somebody that a lot of good offensive line minds like. Miami's after him, and there'll be other names in the mix. Um, I think one thing to watch is you signed Samson and Francis last year. You also signed Tommy Kinsler, who when we in the episode of The Bank, which you can go back and listen to, is generating rave reviews already from a talent standpoint. You say he could play guard because of his body, his width, but he's also tall and super athletic, arguably as athletic as the other two guys, Francis and Sampson. He played tackle in high school. He could easily slide out to tackle if you need another tackle while these you new guys play interior. Tackle. You will. And so he's capable of playing tackle. And as Cooper started off at right tackle at Miami and was really playing well in camp, they moved him to guard to get him on the field, but he can play tackle, especially at his, at his current uh weight with the lost weight so there's tackles already on the roster on top of just samson and francis so the fact that they might be more interior focused is not necessarily um a cause for alarm they just need to make sure they're getting good players and with mirabal and cristobal these are guys that they like they've identified they're not second options so you got to trust what they're doing given their pedigree last question here from miami kp literally not a word from the weekend's visits from anyone that bad or that good I mentioned it earlier. 
the message I got is great weekend, chipping away. It was uncommon last year to get commitments right after the recruiting visits. Go back and look at our list and tell me how many of those guys committed right when they got back, especially in June. So Miami made a lot of progress. I think Miami probably could have had a couple commits that weekend, but some guys want to visit other schools. Some guys, you know, it's just going to take a little longer, but I think Miami will land players, probably multiple players from this weekend. And obviously the biggest weekends are yet to come. This was the lightest weekend of June. So a lot of action still to come, but I think multiple players from this weekend's uh, class, uh, you know, visit crop will commit. If you ask me the most likely, I would say probably Freeney and, and James Nesta, but you know, James Nesta is visiting North Carolina where he's from visiting Oklahoma where, or, or coach Venables has a great track record with linebackers. So, you know, this thing is fluid. It's going to be a battle, but um, those are the two that really, to me, have the most momentum coming out of this weekend, but there's momentum with all those guys. As D money always says, like subscribe, comment, not only on the YouTube page, but on Twitter and Instagram as well. If, if you aren't following us on there and check out the live show tomorrow night, 9 PM Thursday night. We were on there every Thursday night. The times change a little bit, depending on if there's a heat game or something else that might be in the way, but it's always a cool show. D money hops on there sometimes, but I'm the host of it. Have a, a plethora of guests. Normally Brad Tejeda, obviously always doing a great job covering the recruiting scene. Um, so be, be on there and check that out. Yeah. And join the canesinsight.com forums. Got 6.3 million posts and counting. So if you want to get the most up to date, I'm talking to the second on all the recruiting stuff that's happening in June, canesinsight.com forums, sign up. You'll be addicted. Your wife will get mad at you. Your boss will get mad at you, but you'll be happy and you'll be on top of everything happening with the Canes through the month of June and beyond. So check that out and uh, go Canes.